Hello everyone and welcome back to the Ocean Impact Podcast. My name is Amelia Helton. I'll be one of your co-hosts for today, but as usual, I'm joined by the main man, Mr. Tim Silverwood. How are you going, Tim? Doing well, thanks, Amelia. And here we are on the final stretch with our Pitchfest 2021 series. And uh, we've saved almost, you have to say, the last four best till last, would you say? I would. These ones are, you know, so fascinating. The whole series has been great. Um, but we have some really, really interesting conversations coming out. People are going to absolutely love these next four episodes. Um, and of course, we have some big news to announce. Tim, do you want to maybe let the people know? Yeah, well, we're actually in the period now where people can apply for the Ocean Impact Pitch Fest 2022. We run this initiative every single year and you've got until the 20th of September to get your applications in. We really try and make it as simple as possible. It's an online form and then you'll be invited to submit your up to three-minute pitch video. So we encourage startups working on solutions to improve health all across Planet Ocean to apply. So get onto it. Yeah. And guys, if you want to apply, you can go to the link ocean-impact.org forward slash pitchfest 2022. And, you know, listen to these next four episodes. You're going to see the founders and the people behind these startups and these incredible innovations talking about what's been happening since they were in Pitchfest 2021. And that could be you. So we highly recommend you apply. And to kick off uh, the last four episodes, we have Jesse Baines today from Atlantic Sea Farms and they're a company based out of Maine that produce kelp and what's really fascinating about it is that in the US uh, obviously a lot of the uh, kelp products that they get there um, is is actually you know not from the best waters sometimes it can be dyed all sorts of stuff that Jesse goes into and you know when I think of Maine I think of lobster um, and that is where their incredible kind of um, business model has really started. So um, she she mentions in this main, uh, apparently is one of the most sustainable fisheries in the world. She says they're notoriously good stewards uh, of of the ocean and of the, the lobster that's so part of the livelihood of so many people there. And I looked it up. She said it was the 1800s. And of course, it, she's right, it was 1872 that Maine introduced the first sustainable regulations um, in any state in the US, uh, which was requiring egg-bearing females to be thrown back. So, you know, a really, really big history there of sustainable uh, fisheries. And that is where Atlantic Sea Farms has has kind of created this incredible business model. Tim, what did you think about this when the application came through last year and you guys were, were going through them? Yeah, look, I loved it. And one of the things I really love about this particular startup, again, um, female-founded, female-led and just super progressive. And you mentioned there that this industry that they're really trying to support and help transition slash accommodate to climate change um, are really just so forward thinking there. So essentially looking at how with predictions that the waters will warm off Maine, which will really start to impact the lobster fisheries, how can these fisheries diversify to start to create huge yields of kelp? And so these guys in only four seasons have already got over a million pounds a season now coming out of their farms. They work with 27 farmers They've just built a 27,000-foot new facility to help process their goods. These guys are just absolutely smashing it by all accounts. So 
we love everything seaweed at OIO and it feels like everyone in our community also loves anything seaweed. So take a strong listen to this one if you're interested in the seaweed sector because you're going to learn a lot about what to do and, of course, you know what not to do. There's always some good lessons in the, uh, in the podcast about that too. Yeah, and, I mean, Jessie really touches – she gets so passionate. That's what I love. The growth that they've had is insane um, over the, the – just even in the last year. So uh, this is definitely a chat. You're going to get loads of great, you know, advice on uh, building a team, on how to not only, you know, um, build a market but drive a market, which is what they do through this, um, you know, these partner fishers. So – Fascinating stuff and a little old-timey kind of reference that I, I thought was really cool. She uses the term lobstermen. What's really interesting is in Maine um, that is the terminology that, that they go by um, regardless of if they're, they're men or women, uh, they're lobstermen and also these are their partner farmers. You know, we talk about innovation a lot. Uh, at OIO and uh, as Jesse says that working with these you know these very experienced uh, partner farmers they are innovating continuously so I think there's a handbook that took the original owners like 10 years or something of research to write and within a season these lobstermen are are already innovating a thousand times on what is in that handbook so that was that was pretty interesting you just got to look to where the wisdom is right (laughs) I think it's so future forward thinking to be working with farmers who know that they need to transition to new ways of doing things in the light of climate change. So I think this is a very progressive approach that needs to be replicated across many, many sectors in many, many regions. So listen and uh, learn, I suppose. Yeah. Any last words, Tim, before we, we dive into the episode? Look, I suppose if you're in North America and tuning in, then make sure you ask your local retailers to supply some of their products because um, I'm sure they have future expansion plans across the globe. But for now, definitely try and get some of their, what is it, they've got a kimchi replacement called C-Chi. I wouldn't mind some some C-Chi in in my salad. So keep an eye out for their products and obviously um, just support this initiative because we need to see more and more of them. Yeah, C-Chi, here we come. I'd love to get some of that here in Australia. That's it. Enjoy the episode, everyone. I'm super excited to have on the Ocean Impact podcast today, Jesse Baines, who is the Chief Marketing Officer with Atlantic Sea Farms. How are you, Jesse? Hi, Tim. It's good to see you. So you're tuning in from Portland, Maine. It's uh, the evening over there. Tell me a little bit about uh, your day, and I'd love to actually learn a little bit more about where you're located on planet Ocean. It sounds like a pretty beautiful part of the world. Absolutely, yeah. So Portland, Maine, uh, we are U.S. famous for our food and our beer and our seafood. Um, it's a really beautiful place to live. We're close to great hiking, mountain biking, sailing, and all those fun things, but we also have a really vibrant working waterfront here in Maine as well. So it's kind of the best of all worlds. I think I was reading somewhere that the actual coastline that you have is as much as California or something. Like you don't own a lot of that frontage to the Atlantic, but because of all the bays and you know inlets and harbors, it's a huge coastal area. Absolutely, yeah. We we have some um, great inlets that make for really good fishing and great aquaculture. Uh, we have all kinds of little protected harbors. Um, that is where traditionally our lobster fishery has been working out of, and that's expanding into all kinds of really exciting things these days. 
which takes us right to the core of Atlantic Sea Farms and the, the reason that you exist and the opportunity that you're exploring. But let's dive firstly into the ocean challenges that you're really trying to address and the solutions that you're coming up with, please. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, the problem statement that we operate with is that um, the Gulf of Maine is warming faster than 99% of oceans worldwide due to climate change. And for us here in Maine, that's a really scary thing because we are um, predominantly uh, dependent on our lobster fishery. Uh, It's a multi-generational fishery that we've had here in Maine since the late 1800s when they first started putting sustainability measures in place for that fishery. Um, Notoriously good stewards of their local resource and of the oceans. But one thing that our lobster fishery cannot control is how fast the waters that they depend on are warming. So that's a a huge issue and something that's pretty scary for us. I know that there are a lot of um, working waterfront communities all over the world who are facing climate change in different ways. Um, And the way that we're addressing it here is by looking at an opportunity. And that opportunity comes to us in the U.S. um, by way of the imported seaweed that we're bringing in. Um, 99% of the seaweed we eat in the U.S. is dried. And almost all of it is coming from overseas. It's being shipped all the way across the world, right? And, um, and so we saw an opportunity because in Maine, we have clean, cold water. Um, we have a vibrant, healthy workforce in the lobster industry. We have 4,000 plus lobster license holders in the state of Maine. And each one of those lobster license holders has a boat. They know how to tie knots. They know how to work on the water. They know how to do it in January, which is our winter when it's freezing cold. So all of these things kind of came together to say, what if we could farm kelp in the off season from lobstering with the same people who do the fishing, with the same boats that do the fishing and the same harbors that land all the fish, right? All those lobsters. What if we could do that with kelp? And what that would do is protect these harbors and these working waterfronts and the people who depend on them from the blows that could potentially be coming because of climate change. So fascinating. And, you know, when it comes out like that, it just sounds like so much common sense. But tell me a little bit about some of those sort of struggles and, and maybe a good opportunity to talk about who the pioneers were that saw this opportunity and have got it to the level where, you know, you guys are now harvesting or, you know, procuring a million pounds of of sugar kelp a season. Yeah, absolutely. So our uh, company was founded as Ocean Approved um, back in 2009. Um, And the two men who founded the company back then were really looking at perfecting kelp aquaculture in Maine, because kelp aquaculture is not new, right? People have been doing it all over the world forever. Um, for hundreds of years. And so, but what does it look like in Maine, right? And so what they did was they literally wrote the handbook, um, but they weren't really successful at driving a market because they were super focused on the farming. And so in 2019 or 2018, our CEO, Bree Warner, took over in a founder transition. And she really looked at it as an opportunity to activate, to to work towards diversifying our coastal economy, right? Instead of farming the kelp ourselves, what if we looked to the people who are already working on the water, they have that social capital in their communities, you know, Maine is made up of a lot of small towns. Um, And as we know, from any 
um, experiment in starting a new industry, social capital is really important, right? You have to have the trust and the of the people who you're trying to get to to start this new venture, right? And so, by working with um, fishermen, Bree is really the one who envisioned this idea, this like you know kind of collaboration between aquaculture and wild fishery. Um, and it's a really exciting one because that's not one that happens very often, right? And so that was she was really the one who kind of came up with this model. And since she took over um, the company, we've really been working to perfect it um, and grow it. Um, and the you know time is ticking away right now. You know our lobster fishery here is under a lot of different strains. Um, it's a volatile industry right now. The lobster is great. They're they're catching. You know they're doing really well. Last year was a, a banner year, um, but you know we don't know what's going to happen as these waters continue to warm. So our goal is to really get ahead of that problem as much as we can and get as many people in the water farming kelp using those really expensive lobster boats um, year round and employing people year round um, on those working harbors. Not easy. <laughs> I can tell you about the challenges too. Like I make it sound easy. It's not easy. It's really hard. Um, you know, we have, we have an amazing crew. Uh, we had four people to start and now we have 16 um, staff people working on solving this problem. But we don't just work with people to farm the kelp. We also drive the market. So that means product development, branding, sales decks. Like I told you, I was working on sales pitches today. Um, you know, we're working on everything. We're getting our products in the grocery store because every bite of kelp that people eat is getting helping to get more farmers in the water. That's what I find just so visionary around this, just looking ahead at a climate impact of the future and food security issues, but then just pioneering whole new industries. And I love that story that, you know, the original concept was, hey, let's just go and build a fantastic, vibrant aquaculture industry around this kelp species but then when Brie and others have come in and really looked at it from a, a long lens and that future-proofing perspective they've realized that the bigger opportunity here was to work with these network of farmers to to build employment resiliency and opportunity around them so maybe just tell us a little bit more about that how has it gone that the concept was obviously developed but then you've got to actually go and find the existing fishers and farmers and you know convince them to adopt this new practice and this new approach i'd love to dive a little bit deeper into that if you wouldn't mind yeah yeah absolutely so for scale um to talk about the growth that we've seen you know at the time there about thirty thousand pounds of kelp came out of the water in maine um when we first started this in 2019 right and then you know this season we're looking at you said a million pounds so that's been a huge growth, right? And that means we've gone from about three partner farmers to 27. Um, and then some of our existing partner farmers have grown um, their own footprint as well. Um, still very small scale, but um, comparatively to what, what we might have on the other side of the world from us. But, um, but it, for us, it's a significant amount of growth. And so the way that we went about that um, was by working with our friends and neighbors um, and in my case, family, you know, I grew up in a working um, fishing family. Um, my uncles and my dad and my brother grew up fishing, my cousins fish, um, all for lobster. And we knew that we had to work with people. Um, we First of all, we had to demonstrate absolute integrity in our plan. 
Um, and we had to work with people who we knew would be good advocates for the, for the goal of this endeavor, right? So we had to work with people who, um, who really wanted to make this work financially because they knew if they could make it work financially, that meant future generations could too. So we had to really do some, um, some groundbreaking work together and collaboratively. Um, and so, you know, we at the time presented them with this model, right? Like, as I said, the founders literally wrote a handbook and we presented them with this handbook and we said, this is how you farm kelp and let us help you, right? We're going to um, help you get your lease because you have to um, get, uh, you have to lease the, the water that you farm in here. That process goes through our uh, local state government. It's a rigorous process as it should be. Um, we provide you with free seed, you know, your you're, uh, we're going to mitigate as much risk as we possibly can for you. We're going to give you seed for free. Um, we're going to provide technical support throughout the season. And then we're going to guarantee purchase of every pound of kelp that you grow at harvest. And then we're going to drive a market on your behalf, right? And we're going to create all these products. So like seaweed salad and kimchi and smoothie cubes and all of these things so that you don't have to think about selling your kelp. We've got it. So we're mitigating all of the risk we are just asking for them to put their skills and knowledge um, to work on the water growing kelp with our help, right? And so the first season, and this is a story that Brie often tells, um, was really a groundbreaking year because we had just such amazing partners. And um, the first harvest that one of our first partner farmers had, his name is Keith Miller, and he, he lives just down the street from where I grew up in Sprucehead, Maine. And uh, he says St. George. He's in St. George, Maine, just over the line. And uh, he gets off the dock. Everybody's standing around like, what is Keith doing? What is this? What is he hauling in here? And nobody's ever seen anything like this. Everybody knows what kelp is because it grows everywhere. But nobody's ever seen anybody harvest it and pull it in and bring You're using the same winch that you use to pull up lobster crates and things like that. And everybody's like, what is Keith up to now? And he just stands at the end of the dock and holds up a check and says, this here, guys, is the future, right? And this is an old timer. This is not, he's not, he, he goes to NASCAR races, you know, like he is not, uh, you know, he's not thinking about it from, um, you know, a carbon sequestration or carbon, you know, um, capture perspective. He's not thinking about it from an ocean acidification mitigation tool perspective. He's not thinking of it from a health perspective. He's, thinking about it as a way that people can keep making money on the water for generations to come. And that is the biggest win, right? Because it has to work for people financially. This is not a nonprofit. This has to be a viable business model for this to work. And so those little anecdotes along the way, that is how we spread the word, right? This is how people found out about this option for them. Because fishermen have been diversifying for years, right? This isn't a new idea. People have always wanted to find new and different ways to work on the water, to, like different species and things like that. Um, but here in Maine, it's just been lobster for so long, I think people kind of forgot. So what we're doing is reintroducing this option to people, and they're spreading the word for us. We have a waiting list. Um, we can't get guys in the water fast enough, guys and girls, guys and women. Um, and here, and I should say, you know, it's a, it's a local colloquialism issue, but we call them lobstermen. Um, that's by their preference, lobster men and women go by lobster men here in Maine. But I understand that that kind of can be confusing. We work with, um, all kinds of different people 
both men and women. That is such a cool story about the old-timer Fisher person uh, lifting up that check and saying this is the future. And yeah. I think I read somewhere that that really was the the pitch to so many of these farmers that you've now got on the hook, so to speak, was really just purely on the finances. It wasn't about the environmental positive impacts. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, a lot of them come around to that pretty quickly, of course. I mean, these are guys, they, they know climate change is an issue for them. They see it every day, right? This isn't a surprise. But the solution um, being something that is, you know, a food trend, it's being written up in Bon Appetit and, you know, all of these all of these famous food publications with these, you know, celebrity chefs and everybody's hooking into kelp um, for all of these different reasons. Um, and what I find particularly captivating about this is that, you know, we have a lot of silver bullet solutions for climate change right now, right? Like people are like, we're going to sink this and we're going to whatever, you know, there's all these different things. Um, and those are important, right? Like those are important to develop um, and continue moving the needle on, um, on those projects. They're generally pretty labor or pretty capital intensive, um, and are usually put together by people who, um, have been studying this, the science of climate change for quite a while, right? Or they're new to it or whatever, but they're not usually fishermen and farmers who are the real leaders in this space. And what I love is that while all of these big solutions are being presented, we have a community of fishermen who are just quietly putting their heads down and going to work and they're just doing the job and they're making real change. They're actively improving the health of our oceans here in Maine. They're putting an entirely new regenerative food source on the market. They're improving consumer health by doing so. Um, a lot of the seaweed salads that we eat here in the U S are dried, rehydrated, pumped full of dyes and ultimately grown in really nasty water. Um, but we're, op we're offering people a new solution. And so I think all of these things combined is just puts the own, the ownership, um, of making real positive change happen back in the hands of the fishermen and back in the hands of the farmer. Um, and I think that that is something that is undervalued in our food system here in the U S and I, I love seeing the, this idea spread, um, not only to different fishing communities, but different farming communities too, I hope. Um, so that's really what we're ultimately working towards. Look, it's um, I can see how this lights you up and it's lighting me up and I'm sure the people that are listening in today are getting super pumped and excited as well. Tell us a little bit about you and your career and how this uh, stacks up in, in comparison to other things that you've done throughout your working life. It seems like you're, you're really in a, in a spot that, um, that you know, gives you purpose and, and, and really excites you. Yeah, it does speak to me for sure. So, um, you know, I used to work um, in fisheries and I used to work in land-based agriculture. So um, both on the marketing and communication side of things. So um, I've worked for the Maine Lobstermen's Association, which is an amazing trade association here in Maine, working for the sustainability of the fishery. Um, I've worked for uh, in organic dairy, talking about the importance of pasture and how that, you know, plays a huge role in our food system and, you know, organic standards and all of those things. Um, and so when the opportunity came up to not only um, utilize my skills from my previous work um, to talk about a really exciting new ingredient, but that it also would benefit the coastal communities where I grew up and that are just a stone's throw from where I am now. And so I got to come home and work 
with the communities that mean the most to me. Um, and even in potentially actually make a difference for my own home state, that at the time was something that I, I don't think I really realized at the time just how much we would grow in such a short period of time and how impactful that would be. It was still a little bit of a like, I don't know, you know, like I've, I really love my work that I'm doing now, like, but kelp is really compelling. Um, and I think it was probably like a month into the job. Um, and I got to interview um, the partner farmers who we were working with at the time. And that was it. That's all I needed was to just have a conversation with them and find out why they were excited about the potential of this. And I knew that this had legs um, and it, we haven't stopped running since. So cool. Maybe just for the sake of the listeners, um, let's just sort of go through a little bit deeper into the processes that are involved in in getting that successful £1 million yield. So you said before you laid it out, obviously there's the recruitment of prospective farmers and, and what you guys provide, but maybe just run through a little bit more around what happens once they're act- actively farming on behalf of you guys. What uh, What's the process look like so people can get a bit of an idea of how the actual um, function of the of the industry works? Absolutely, yeah. So um it's a we we have a kelp growing season but it's really a year-round round process so um in a few weeks we're actually going to start our cultivation center season and what that is is our kelp nursery um, we have a state-of-the-art nursery at our facility in biddeford maine um and that is where we take you know a few pounds of wild harvest kelp and we um basically uh, seed it, you know, spore it off under controlled circumstances in our nursery. Um, You know, we, we basically, if you, if you, if you know what kelp sporing means, it means you basically wait until it's ready to spore off in the wild. It has what's called sorus tissue, which is a dark band down the center of the blade of the kelp. Um, We isolate that. We make it think that it's washed up on shore Um, So we kind of beat it around a little bit. We put it in the fridge overnight. And then the next morning we um, dunk it in a specific solution, in a, in a water solution, saltwater solution. um, And it releases those spores and those spores swim around and they're animated for the first part of their life, which is bonkers. And it looks crazy. And they look like, they look like little sperm swimming around in a beaker and they're tiny and they're microscopic and they're so cool. Right. And they're looking for something to latch onto, right? And what we give them is a spool of twine, right? And so it's basically a PVC pipe wrapped in twine. um, And we uh, count the parts per million of the kelp spore. And we put that into um, these large tanks that have these spools of twine. And then we um, change out the salt water. We give them light. We give them dark. We give them um, everything that they need. Um, to under the organic certified organic regulations, I should say, we give them everything that they need to thrive um, and get ready to be out on open ocean aquaculture farms. While this process is happening, our partner farmers are getting their farms set up. So because kelp farming is counter cyclical to the fisher to the lobster fishery here, um, the lobster fishery goes pretty much until November. And then towards the tail end of their fishing season, um, our partner farmers are getting their farm set up. And what that means is they're um, hooking into moorings. They are um, 
floating um, lines that are about seven feet below the surface of the water are preparing to do so. Um, and so a kelp farm is essentially very much like a land-based farm. Um, if you've seen it from um, a drone footage or something like that, what you see is rows of kelp, right? And so our partner farmers are setting up their farms. Their farms are um, basically giant rectangles. Um, most of them are about four acres, um, which is not very large. It's a pretty small footprint. Um, and um, when the seeding season starts or is re- when our seeds are ready to be seeded, we hand them off to our partner farmers. Um, if they're a new farmer, we assist them in the seeding process to make sure that they know how to do it. Um, and if they're not, they, they're better at it than we are anyway. They go, go for it and um, they seed their farms. And then, you know, throughout the growing season, we're there for technical support. Uh, we have our standard operating practices. So we're going out there to help them um, check out their farms, um, make sure that the growth is, you know, where it should be, make sure there's no biofouling or snails or anything like that going on throughout the season, um, and just kind of making sure everything's where it should be. Um, sometimes a storm could blow through. You want to make sure there's no tangles. There's all these things that you have to keep an eye out for. Um, and so we assist them throughout the season with that. We have an amazing team um, doing that work, um, headed up by Liz Jondro. I don't know if I mentioned this, but uh, women lead in um, every department at Atlantic Sea Farms. So um, we have a really stellar team um, of women and men uh, working towards uh, the success of this project, but, um, or this company, I should say, it's much more than a project at this point. Um, so, you know, we're out there on the water with them. We're checking things out. We're, you know, making sure that um, we're looking to see where they can expand. We're looking to see what's working, what's not. And then from there, uh, the kelp grows and we start harvest season. And harvest season starts in Usually it depends on the water temp, but April, May, June is really the sweet spot. Um, And we start in Southern Maine and we work our way up. Um, And during harvest, um, our partner farmers are out there. They have their stern men with them. They have their dads. They have their kids. They have whoever is coming along for the ride to help out. Um, And they're harvesting into thousand pound totes. Um, they usually get about 10 aboard their boat. Um, lobster boats are pretty robust, so they can carry quite a bit of weight. Um, so they're going anywhere from like eight to 12,000 pounds a day. Um, they're landing it in the same harbors where they land their lobsters and we're there with a truck waiting for them with a refrigerated truck. Um, and then from there, we're bringing it right to our facility. So all of our kelp is either flash frozen or in the process of being, um, processed into food within um, 24 to 48 hours of harvest. So it's really retaining that, that quality. Um, and then from there, we are turning it into all of these award-winning products that are on shelf in grocery stores and in restaurants across the country. And we also supply quite a bit um, of kelp for as an ingredient for, you know, we're looking at biomaterials, we're supplying kelp for feed, for soil inputs, for other people's products, you know, kelp chips and things like that. So it's really spreading the wealth across the country in various different formats from there. And then we start over again. <laughs> then the seeding season starts again. So it's a, it's very uh, year round for sure. It never ends. And all this with a team of 16, it sounds like uh, you guys are really busy at certain times of the year. Yes. Certain times of year, harvest season is definitely the biggest lift for the whole year, um, for sure. 
Our sales team might tell you it's a different time of year, but at harvest season, um, because it's so important to us that our partner farmers are successful, um, it's all hands on deck. If somebody needs help, we are out there harvesting with them. Um, this year was particularly challenging. Um, fuel prices are really high here in the U.S. I know that that's not unique to us. Um, so a lot of people couldn't get help to come out to um, to meet them because the, they didn't want to drive that far, right? Because they're working in remote harbors. All of these issues kind of came about, you know, supply chain issues with, um, you know, lids for our jars and things like that. You know, we all were challenged by all kinds of different aspects, but um, everybody wrestled any problem that came to the ground. And we were out there harvesting um, alongside our partner farmers throughout the season um, and really tackling any supply chain issues that came up um, back at the facility. Um, and, you know, we've had a banner year so far and we look at some real growth for next year. We're hoping to double again. Fantastic. Well, I'd love to talk a little bit more about successes and challenges in a minute, but the, the first question I had was around how diverse your product line is now. And I suppose the, the high level question that I was thinking was, you know, in an ideal scenario, would you just be procuring and aggregating you know, 2 million pounds of product and then having a market where people paid a good price for it and it went out and others did the product development? Or do you feel strongly that the future for, for you guys is in creating your own line of product that you're already doing really, really well? Which of the two, or is it going to be a blend of the both? Or is there other um, elements to the business that you um, that you want to share? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a blend. Um, you know, we want, ultimately, we want to put more farmers in the water, right? We want to expand this opportunity for more people. Um, and if a company that is, you know, we, our products, our, our CPG products, super packaged good products are doing really well in natural grocery, right? But that's a small part of the market for us in the U.S. The opportunity is so much bigger than that. Um, and so we wanted to have branded products because we wanted people to pay attention to the story, right? And the story is super important because sure, you can get, I mean, kelp, kelp isn't a new ingredient. In the US, kelp sourced domestically and grown by family farmers is a new ingredient, right? And so what, what we saw was an opportunity to say, this is how it should be done. Let's put the ownership back in the hands of the farmers and the fishermen and let's do it with kelp. Right. And so for us, driving that narrative is um, much more impactful when you're doing it through a brand, through a consumer facing brand. Now, that said, we love it when other product developers want to use our kelp. And oftentimes what we find is that they also want to tell our story. Right. You can buy seaweed way cheaper from, you know, other places than you can buy it from us. Right. That's that's not seaweed's not new, as we know. But what you can't get is, you know, another check mark in your own sustainability goals for your own company with that acquisition or with that um, purchase. But you can with ours. And so what we find is people are just really compelled by the story. They're compelled by the metrics. They're compelled by being a woman run company. There are all of these different aspects that people want to be a part of um, and I think that the more that we can get other brands and other chefs and other restaurant groups involved, um, that's more farmers in the water. And that's what makes me happy. 
where we are down in Australia, um, there really isn't, a, I guess, a consumer-facing seaweed product range that seems as diverse as potentially it is in the US. So I'd love to just sort of hear from you if those listeners are in the States or other markets where they can access your products and others. Like, What are some of the most exciting and delicious products out there that you or other people are creating that you think we should really have our eyes and our taste buds uh, hooked on? Yeah, totally. So first of all, seaweed salad, right? I think we've all seen the ectoplasm green seaweed salad. Um, that's everywhere, right? Um, but that's not the color seaweed's supposed to be. That's dyed. And so what we've offered is a really delicious award-winning alternative to that that's made with our kelp. Um, it's our fermented seaweed salad, and it's available in natural grocers across the country. And also some conventional grocery stores now too, which is really exciting. It's hitting the mainstream. Uh, we also make kelp cubes, which are awesome for smoothies. Um, we have partnered with um, Blueberry, a blueberry company here in Maine to make a blueberry ginger kelp cube. Um, we also have a cranberry kelp cube, um, which is an awesome additional ingredient because that is a regenerative land-based agriculture operation. So we're regenerative in both land and sea with the ingredients for the cranberry kelp cubes, which is awesome. Those are also available nationally. Um, and we're actually just getting ready to launch a sea veggie burger. Um, our kelp is the number one ingredient, followed by green chickpeas, which is a delicious um, ingredient that I didn't know about until we started the product development on this. And, uh, and that is um, launching, hopefully, it's in restaurants now. And we're talking about maybe getting it out to consumers too at some point in the near future. So keep your eyes and ears peeled. So good. I'm really, really stoked to hear that and can't wait to see um, more products available in, in my community and in communities all around the world. Let's move to the really interesting part of the conversation, um, which talks about key achievements, but also talks about challenges. Now, it feels like you have outlined a lot of really exciting achievements, um, particularly what you guys have done in the last four years. But um, maybe you want to open up a little bit about, you know, there's there's a lot of challenges behind the scenes in achieving what feels like great success in this last um, period of growth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, one of the one of the leadership qualities that Brie has, um, has really instilled in, in all of us is that laser focus on our main goal really not losing sight of ultimately why we exist and what our purpose is and to that, you know, is to really diversify our coastal economy in the face of climate change. Um, the challenges that arise around that um, are a little bit easier to tackle knowing that that is why we're doing it, right? We're not just doing it because we like, we have, you know, a clever brand, right? We're doing it for a bigger purpose. And so when things like, you know, not being able to get any freaking lids for our jars because of supply chain issues or seeing the prices go up on our products because of, um, you know, fuel prices or, um, you know, getting, a, you know, a few lines tangled on one of the farms and, you know, seeing some, some kelp not quite make it to, to the um, production floor. You know, those, those are hard challenges, um, ones that we face. Um, all the time, daily, there is always something, you know, we just built a new 27,000 square foot facility up from 8,000 square foot facility. And so we, we grew quickly, right? So we basically took what we were doing in 8,000 square feet, 
grew what we were, the amount of kelp we were bringing in, grew the amount of products we were doing and grew the amount of space all in one, in one year, right? And so with that, there were certainly growing pains. Um, you know, I think that that uh, would go with any, any company, but when you're also talking about um, a completely vertically integrated company, those challenges are like from, you know, from beginning to end of the whole life cycle of this, of this kelp from seed all the way through to getting the product out the door. You know, I mean, I think one of the biggest challenges we had here in the U S is there aren't enough people or aren't, aren't enough drivers. So people weren't showing up to pick up our product when they said they would for a period of time. And so as a small team, that meant that our team was waiting at the dock for these trucks to show up at eight, nine, ten o'clock at night, you know, and that's not, that's, that's, and then you have to be back at six the next morning or seven the next morning. So there were periods of time, especially over the last two years during the COVID pandemic that were particularly challenging. And I think that, you know, have there been tears shed? Absolutely. You know, um, have there been moments where we thought, what are we doing? Like, are we the right people to pull this off? Um, absolutely. There have been those questions. Um, but I think that knowing, well, first of all, I'm not allowed to fail because my dad, who's one of our kelp farmers now will never let me hear the end of it. So I'm invested, but, um, but I think that, you know, every time we kind of get those little moments of doubt, or we think that maybe, um, we're not going in the right direction, you know, what we end up here, we hear from one of our partner farmers who just happens to pick up the phone to tell us about this really cool innovation that he figured out the day before on his farm. Right. Um, and, or we hear from, you know, one of our key stakeholders who's just like, you know, saw something in the news or a journalist picked up a story about what we'd done and it hit the news and, you know, people were inspired or maybe somebody was inspired because they saw a woman running an aquaculture company. And how cool is that? And I didn't think of, that is something I could even think of doing. And here you guys are doing it. So like, there's all these kind of moments that seem to just come at just the right time, anytime we're really feeling a little bit battered, um, or maybe a key win in sales, you know, those tend to come at just the right time sometimes. So yes, absolutely, totally grueling some days. But I will say that most days, um, I'm as excited as I am right now about the prospects of this company and what the good, the good that we can do um, as we continue to grow. Love it. Well, let's uh, launch straight from that into the future. We'd love to hear a little bit about what you've got planned over the next sort of 12 to 24 months, if you wouldn't mind uh, discussing that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, right now we would love to get as many more partner farmers in the water as we can. Um, one of the challenges that we do have here is um, getting the lease um, process, the leasing process approved in time for the season. So right now our growth um, as a company and our gro like growing the market is going fantastically well. Um, and what we're working towards right now is making sure that we can get the farmers through the leasing process responsibly. Um, we, we, you know, obviously the leasing process is there for a reason. We believe in the regulations that are in place right now are important. Um, but the, the backlog of paperwork is pretty substantial. So we're really just working directly with the state to try and get those moved forward so that we can grow at the rate that we, we feel that we can and need to. 
Um, so we're looking at, you know, continuing this upward trajectory. You know, we landed about a million pounds this year. Um, you know, can we double it? I think so. You know, can we double Can we double our company? I think so. Um, in the next year or two? Absolutely. So um, maybe more. I don't know. Like, I think that we're putting plans in place right now that could really um, launch this thing in a, in a more robust way. We definitely have the interest from the working waterfront communities to do so. So we're working on uh, getting that plan in place right now. But you'll definitely be hearing a lot more from us. Um, in the coming years, um, you know, looking at expansion, um, not only in grocery and ingredient, but we were working with um, a lot of science-based organizations to really understand the positive impacts that kelp aquaculture has on the health of our oceans um, and um, developing the science to really back that up. I think that that's one thing that I'm really excited about is, you know, there've been a lot of kind of lofty ideas about what kelp aquaculture can do. Um, I think the word sequestration is overused. Um, and so we're working with organizations like Oceans 2050, the World Wildlife Fund, um, Bigelow Laboratories for Ocean Sciences, which is here in Maine, a really great organization, um, to really understand what the actual impact of kelp aquaculture is um, and what it can be. Um, and so once that science is published, I think that we're going to have a lot of really exciting things under our belt to be able to work with um, as we kind of look at this as not only a solution for adapting to climate change for our coastal communities, but also for mitigating some of its effects. Owen's oh, absolutely loving this conversation. We're moving down to the last couple of questions. This next one is a chance for you to... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that... For me, one thing that has been particularly helpful is that our key stakeholders in our company, whether that's our farmers, our partner farmers, or, you know, maybe it's investors, or maybe it's, you know, the, our uh, state leadership, whoever it is, um, they are as dedicated to our social mission as we are. Um, you know, I think it can be really easy to get distracted by brands. And just keeping in mind that a brand is only as strong as its purpose. And for us, that has been um, something that we've been really determined to keep in check from the get-go, and it has very much served us. Um, we have some an amazing board um, that is um, really knowledgeable and helpful and determined um, to wrestle any problem that we might have to the ground alongside us. Um, and I think that I cannot, I cannot understate how important that or overstate how important that has been for me as I professionally grow as well, um, to have people alongside me really working towards that growth um, as a company and then as an individual. Um, and I think, you know, just trusting your team, giving them the tools, um, giving them the purpose and trusting that they are going to do the work that they need to do. Um, and I think that goes for our partner farmers as well, you know, by allowing, by giving them the seed and providing them the space to farm um, and just a little bit of knowledge as to how to get started. They have innovated beyond anything that that original handbook um, put forth. You know, these, a lot of guys, these guys were working on this handbook for 10 years and in two seasons, lobster, lobster fishermen out-innovated them. And of course they did, right? Because they work on the water every day. So trusting in your team, 
um, and really kind of making sure that the people who you have alongside you um, as key stakeholders are as determined as you are um, to really fulfill the purpose that you set out from the beginning. Thank you so much for sharing those, Jesse. Um, last question, which is really just a chance for you to reference anything you thought you wanted to speak to today, but haven't had the opportunity. Um, so some final words and of course, direct people to where they can follow you, support you, learn more about you. Yeah, absolutely. So we are at AtlanticSeafarms.com and at Atlantic Sea Farms on Instagram are the best places to, to stay in touch. Um, we're a small team, reach out with questions. Um, it will probably be me answering you. So feel free to reach out anytime. Um, and I think keeping an eye out for other good, um, you know, small companies doing good work um, in land-based agriculture and aquaculture. There's a lot of us out there. Um, we're working really hard. We're doing what's right. And it's really easy to support our work with your food purchases. Everybody eats and you might as well make a difference with your choices. So um Anytime you can pick up some kelp from Atlantic Sea Farms, it's much appreciated. Eat kelp. There you go. Final words. Well, thank you so much, Jesse. I've really enjoyed this. And I just thank you and the team so much for the work that you're doing and for joining us today. Thanks, Tim. I appreciate you all.